The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I am joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? Doing great, buddy. And this is fun. We once again now have an in-studio sort of guest slash co-host for the day. Our very good friend, previous guest host of the Break the Business Podcast, Mr. Evan Lamb. Oh, oh, yes. Thank you. Applause. Not so loud in the earphones, though. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you. All right. I'm in Miami doing my taxes. And And we applaud you for that. Everyone out there, you should file your taxes on time and with uh, in compliance with IRS, you know, regulations, please. Follow all the laws. Yes. Is the deadline April 15th this year? Like sometimes it's a yeah, see they do that. Some I guess because it falls on a weekend or something. Yeah, something like that. All right. So you got extra time, taxpayers. Have you filed your taxes, Ryan? Uh no. (laughs) Oh. I have not. I went ahead and filed in order to get my refund. Well. Nice. uh, Kudos to you. Yeah. But interesting. See, well, Evan is here, and I, I kind of feel bad because I feel like when most friends come to town to visit, you hang out with them, you go out to dinner. Yeah. I just made you come in and do a podcast with Yeah, us. I got hammered Monday night with a, the band I used to play with, and it was a good time. <laughs> we ordered pizza at midnight. We burned things in his backyard, and here I am sitting in front of a microphone, and it's hot in here. Thank you. Yeah, because we can't turn the fan on because it'll pick up on the mic. <laughs> uh, let's So let's run through some quick housekeeping real quick. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. Nobody listens to us on Stitcher and Google Play, but maybe you'll be the first. I've never heard of Stitcher before. I know. Somebody told me I had to get on Stitcher because it's like the ultimate thing for podcasts. And why aren't you guys on Stitcher yet? And I got on Stitcher. We've gotten like no traffic from Stitcher. And it's then like, who wh- told you about Google Play? A uh, cousin of mine. Wasn't it also like your great grandfather or something like that? No, you you gotta get you on Google made Play. That. You gotta get on the Google Play. No, I think you said so on the show. It's it like your grandfather. Talkie. No, you just started saying. No, I'm pretty sure you said it. I'll go back and research. I actually in the think archives. that you called me and told me when your granddad told you to get on Google Play. You're both jerks. <laughs> you can also get in touch with the podcast by emailing us at breakthebusiness@gmail.com. If you do that, you can let us know how we're doing. Probably poorly. You can. Send us show questions if you if there's a particular topic you want us to discuss on the air, whether it's related to the music industry or related more specifically to pop culture. We do a lot of that on this show. You know, feel free to drive the content because that's less work for us. Amen. Um, and uh, coming up in the next segment, we're very excited to have uh, two guests, Marcio Novelli and Ross Barber Smith. Marcio is a fantastic indie musician. Ross Barber Smith is a tremendous web designer, and they are the hosts of the podcast Bridge the Atlantic. Uh, they, it's a cool concept for this show, guys, if you haven't heard about Bridge the Atlantic. Uh, Ross is in Scotland, and Marcio is in Canada, and they host a video podcast together that they record at the same time simultaneously. It's video and audio, and they're in two different countries, and how... How they do it logistically, I don't know. I'd love to find out because it's it's a you know it hmm. seems like a logistical nightmare, but they're a fun show. Is the, yeah. do the is the is that show just them talking about how awesome they are at, at yes networking just web the whole the whole show is just a celebration of their uh, then I got streaming prowess. Yes. Uh, but you, it, you've been on the show a few times, right now. Uh, I've been on the show a one time. A one time, yeah. Uh, I've, I've been on the show no times. Few. Yeah, but you're still you only one off from Ryan. That's right. 
I know, but you're still, neck, but neck and neck, I man. Feel like, but I mean, if the Break the Business podcast is going to be on a show, it should be the all of the Break the Business podcast, including all you know. So Evan, you want to come on uh, Bridge yeah, the Atlantic yeah. next time we do Actually, it? Actually, maybe just me and Ryan. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I see. It. You know, I don't want to be on their show because guess what? The Transatlantic Cable was laid down like over a hundred years ago, anyway. So you know what these guys doing aren't exactly that special. <laughs> you know, it's been just sitting there on the ocean floor, not bothering anybody. Not making a fuss about it. <laughs> but you, buddy, it's like, oh my God, how do they do it? Yes, indeed. Um, I'm going to guess Skype. Yeah, they probably, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it's not. <laughs> but it's a wonderful show. Watch it. No, it is. They're great. And I'm so excited to have them in the next segment. Because in addition to talking about their show, we're probably going to get you know, Marcio to talk about his music career. He makes great videos. And so he can give us some tips on making great videos as an artist. And of course, uh, Ross as a web designer, I'm just going to get a bunch of free advice from him on building websites. Nice. And uh, so, and of course, they'll talk about their podcast uh, as well. It, do I, can I interrupt you real fast? Because I met a, a singer. We moved to Dallas. Elisa and I moved to Dallas, um, and I met a really cool singer songwriter there. And uh, going to play some shows with him. And uh, he he showed me this video that he made for himself. He's all he's totally self-made right he's he's in his 40s he's late in life musician but he's got some really cool songs and he's like i want to make a music video so he just said okay let's how am i going to make a music video and he just showed it to me and i'm like wow this is expensive like it's this huge <laughs> scene and like multi-camera and like all kinds of crazy like um carnival scenes and there's kids going on rides and it's like a really fun song and really appropriate for the music and um I'm like man how much did you spend on that and he's like nothing really huh. Con- continue how many what do you mean nothing what did he's he like, shoot it on he didn't oh. it's all stock video I was even making a joke, say some sort of just it, like stock. He said it took him like four days to get it all together and edit it down, but it looks amazing. Is there a cohesive like storyline running through it? There are a couple of uh, actors that are in a lot of the scenes. Okay, but everything else like so it's not like that episode of Family Guy where Stewie makes that music video. We're just it's all they just pile together. It's just a like, bunch of music video it's cliches. Like, it's like, what the heck am I watching? Like, what's going on here? Shut up. <laughs> it was, anyway, it was, I'm it making was, art. It was very yeah. clever, and he, he, I would never have guessed that. I mean, interesting. So, yeah, huh. I don't. I don't know where you can find that stock footage, well, but it's out there. Well, I, I know for a fact that Marcio, I mean, his videos are really impressive. And I'm he sure he does actual like and, filming. Well, but stuff. he does. But but he said he doesn't spend a lot of money on his stuff either. So I'd love to talk to him about how he makes these great videos on a budget. Can't wait to hear it. Um. A slight bit of self-promotion before we get into the topics today. Uh. <laughs> How'd you know it was going to be myself? I, I, I could have been, I could have been promoting yourself. When's the last time you promoted me? Anyway, continue. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I I recently wrote an article called "The Music Industry Belongs to Hyper Creators." It is in TuneCore and HypeBot. A, a pretty cool article. Basically, it reemphasizes a lot of the stuff that we talk about on the show because. That's what I do when I'm lazy and I need to write an article. I just take something we talked about on the show and put it into words, and then bam, there's an article. But basically, it just talks about how in this new music industry where the creation, promotion, and distribution of music is cheaper than it's ever been, mm-hmm. it makes less and less sense for artists to bunch a bunch of songs together as an album and then wait two years and then do it again, yeah. when instead you just put out your stuff you know, once a week, once a month. Just try to create as much as you can. Always create more stuff. And don't give the audience a chance hmm. to forget about you. And of course, we have to tie it back to the main theme of the show, which we did in this, which I did in this article, which says that is the way to go in this new industry. But you can't do that if you're signed to an exclusive recording agreement where somebody else says when you can record. And usually that producer or that label is going to say, no, I want you to do the one album every two years. And I'm not going to let you put out music exactly. once a week. Hmm. So when did you write this? 
When did I write this? Actually, about two or three months ago. It took him a while to put it oh, out. Oh, okay. Because like, didn't we talk about this last week with the droids? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's a nice callback. Yes, we right. do. We did talk about that with the droids. I actually I showed your article to a friend of mine. And he's like, yeah, but then you know you got to go into a studio like every week and like pay on all this extra studio time when. So the the pushback I get when I hear that idea is like how how it's it's cheaper to go into the studio and record like a ten track album than it is to go every week and do one song every week and do one song every week and do one song, mm-hmm. and I w- something I did two years ago with a band is we did three days we set up a, a small recording studio in the guys the singer's living room and we recorded forty songs video and audio. And I end up moving away and quitting the band. But the idea was, <laughs> the idea was to comp together video and audio for every one of these songs and release them one a week. Right, you, one you, every two. You weeks. can still re- make yeah. them all at the same time. Right. But I mean, your point, your other point is a good one, which is it's amazing the recording quality you can get just at home. At home, absolutely. Yeah. I think the whole yeah the whole thing would be like to tell a person, well, don't try to do a recording once. You know what was like once a week or something like that, or like that's tough. Getting unless that, you're that like stuff. electronic, you know, doing a lot of stuff on your yeah. laptop. But this was a full band, yeah. and but I don't, I didn't. I mean, I have a bunch of this equipment because I used to run a production company. But honestly, it's a five hundred dollar mixer and an iPad and a headphone preamp, which you have here, which costs fifty bucks and a set of headphones for everybody, and then maybe five or six hundred dollars in microphones. But compared to any other, that's what that's not even a day in the studio. Yeah, in a real studio. Now you can do all of your recording. A few months ago, we had Tim Kubart of Postmodern Jukebox on the show, mm-hmm. who no made shit. a yeah, yeah. Right. You guys. tambourine guy. Yeah. Oh man, who made a Grammy award-winning children's album from an album he made in his apartment. Yeah, there you go. And you know, it's it's really cool. And so it's not just the promotion and the distribution of music that's getting cheaper than it's ever been, but even the creation. Yeah, business idea: break the business sort of uh, recording aids, right? Nice. Oh, nice. Ryan. Good host. job. Yeah. Mm. The host of the show. Nice. Mm. We've only been doing this, what did you say, 79 times? Anyway. This is our 79th episode. Yeah. I is always put it on call? Do Not Disturb. That's nope. terrible. Nope. This is not the first time. <laughs> we had one gentleman that just would not stop texting and everything in the middle of the oh, show. Oh, God. Because, you know, Sunday afternoons are never when we do this show. I'm so sorry. Um. Anyway, what was I saying? Well, the, the, the whole thing is ruined. <laughs> just completely lost your business your idea. Yeah. Business yeah. idea. It was a joke. I feel too. Oh, but it not, was the joke, and but, I but, it. but the phone screwed your joke. Yeah, oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. It's Honestly, forever the, gone. The phone was probably funnier than the joke was going to be. That's so. maybe. That was mean. I'm sorry, Dave. You should I think be. you're very funny. Yeah. People but. like you. People always say, "Oh, Dave's so funny." It's always sad. Yeah, when I Dave's know. Not on the show. Well, when you're sitting next <laughs> yeah, to Ryan, I know. you look like a fucking comedy wizard. Yeah. You're sitting next to the ultimate straight man. That's yeah. In every sense of the word. Yeah. Sounds about right. Anyway, so, next segment. Let's so, um, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, that article's in TuneCore and HypeBot. I'm not sure how it ended up in HypeBot because I made it for TuneCore and somehow it's also in HypeBot. I don't know if they have some kind of agreement, but whatever. There's twice as many places you can find it now. Let's talk about some entertainment law news. Oh, goody. Which means we get to play. Why did you touch me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. <laughs> <laughs> You've never heard that before. I love Armando Sante. <laughs> yeah. No, that's one of our favorite bits of the show. Yeah. It's the only thing we enjoy about talking about law news. It's just playing the judge. It's getting to play the judge drag. Yeah, it's getting to play law. And then we did have a bit a few weeks back where we de- did that, but then you did oh, Armando Sante right. as different actors, and that was pretty yeah. exciting. Can you give the folks one of them? Like, what was one of the ones you did? Oh, uh, oh, I know. 
Why did you judge me? You killed innocent people. I, I'm means to an end. You started a massacre. I, I, I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. <laughs> what are you talking about, law? There you go. That was Woody Allen. Yeah, yeah. I know. I got that. <laughs> okay. did you, was that necessary? <laughs> I'm still case, letting him know. I thought your impression was pretty you solid. You don't know how old your listeners are. You never know. <laughs> Good thing I still had the show sheet from right. the two weeks ago. So, I'm, I'm, I'm more impressed that Ryan nailing all the uh, the B-sides of that. <laughs> We had a lot of practice. Okay. There's there's a lot of we, takes. We, we, hey, let's talk about up. entertainment law. Entertainment law news. Yeah. So speaking of people who wrote articles that got published in better publications than mine, friend of the show Aaron Eb Jacobson, a fantastic entertainment lawyer, recently wrote something in Forbes called, and this is tell me this isn't a great you know clickbaity title here. This trial will determine songwriters' income over the next five I've, years. I've seen this in my Facebook feed, and I've never clicked on it because it always sounds those clickbait articles are such bullshit. But did you say it's a friend of the show, then you have to tell me about it. I guess. And there you go. <laughs> See, but all right, now we're going to tell you about it. You don't have to read. I don't it, have to click the but Facebook. But I think out of courtesy to Erin, maybe you just click it anyway, so she gets the click. Eh, I'll just follow her on Twitter. Well, there you go. She'll take that. I'm not kidding. I'm not going to follow her. <laughs> what is your Twitter handle, by the way, I'm in at, case at people want to follow you? At the Big Tasty. That's a great idea. Actually, also, we didn't I, give out our Twitter handles. I also have, oh, at, yeah. I also have at Baseline Gorgeous, which I've never used. <laughs> at Baseline Gorgeous. So follow at Baseline Gorgeous. I'm, I have a, a, a thing I'm going to do with that Twitter handle is I'm going to get the most followers ever by never tweeting. It's going to be the most followed never tweeting Twitter and handle how, ever. How's that going so far? Well, it's got zero. But, okay. But starting today. But you also have zero tweets. So, right so the plan so I'm has... Still, I'm still yeah. up at 100%. The, the plan is working <laughs> Baseline, Baseline Gorgeous is pretty fun. Yeah. Okay, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K A I R. And where can they follow you, Dave? At, at Metal Dave eighty five. There we go. So all the all the Twitter handles yeah. are out. So the trial that uh, Aaron M Jacobson is referring to is not the you know Law and Order judge and jury trial. It's actually a hearing of an organization called the Copyright Royalty Board. Okay. So we've talked about this on the show before, where the rates for streaming. Um, there's basically two people that get paid when a song is streamed. The people who own the sound recording, which is usually a record label or an artist if they're awesome enough to not be signed to a label. Break the business. <laughs> or, and it's the owners of the actual musical composition who wrote the song, which is you know, jointly owned by the songwriters and maybe a publishing company if there's a publisher there. And so what we've talked about is the Owners of the sound recording are being paid much more than the owners of songwriters in the streaming world. Is that like back ass words from radio? Yes, it is okay. the complete opposite of That's radio. Where in radio, the the owners of the sound sound record of the of the sorry of the song get paid, and the owners of sound recordings don't, right. because there is no public performance right for radio sound recordings. <laughs> but that might change with the law that's coming out. Okay, but. Because you know, they've been trying to change that for years, and I think this might be the political climate where it actually happens. But now, so yeah, it's the opposite of radio. Very, very well put. What's happening, and but the reason why there's this disparate, you know, you know there's, there's a reason why there's this difference in the royalty is because the labels, the people who own sound recording copyrights, can actually negotiate with Spotify and Pandora for whatever that per stream rate is. Mm -hmm. The songwriters can't do that. Right. The two royalties that are paid on a stream for songwriters, mechanical and public performance royalties, are both set by the government. Right. And they are kept artificially low, really low. This is, I mean, so low that the... I'll, I'll give you an example. So on Spotify, if you own a sound recording 
you, and let's say you're not signed to a label, break the business, Spotify is going to pay you about seven-tenths of a cent per spin, which does not sound like very much, but if you, you get a big hit, you know, that can be some real sure. money. You know, so a little less than a penny a spin. Contrast that with how much they pay songwriters, which is this weird, complicated formula. It has to do with like whether Mercury is in retrograde and all this <laughs> random crap. But it basically comes out to just about point zero 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 five eight dollars per spin. Point zero zero five eight dollars, or is that so? It's point zero zero five eight cents. So it's. It's zero. No, it's point zero five eight cents per spin. It's about basically the owners of sound recordings get paid twelve times as yeah. much as the owners of song on Spotify. And so the reason why this tr this trial matters is that the copyright royalty board is basically meeting now and figuring out if that rate has to go up. Yeah. And yeah. How about that? Yeah. Let's just so, say yeah. So basically, if you were one of the witnesses that the board's going to interview, like your statement is just going to be yeah. yeah, yeah, up. Well, it depends on who you ask. No, yeah. Because if you ask Spotify and Apple and Pandora, they're going to say, nah. But if you ask the National Music Publishers Association, they're going to say, yeah. Um, and that's what's happening. So there's this big fight going on right now. And right now, this is what Apple is proposing. Apple is proposing an increase in the rate, but not very much of one. They, want, they think the rate should be 9.1 cents per 100 streams. So 0.91 cents per stream. And if that number sounds familiar, yeah, you're thinking 9. that... Yeah, 9.125 was the old uh, publishing. Or that's well, the old... right, because the reason... In fact, the reason why they came up with that number, I see a music business major over yeah, here, kinda. is because <laughs> the mechanical royalty for physical sound recordings, like making a CD of a, yeah. of, of a song, is 9.1 cents per copy. It was um, 9.125, I believe. Oh. Check your facts. <laughs> Very good. That was me in, in music business school 10 years ago, so I'm kind of mad that that hasn't changed, but okay. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that a little upsetting on its own? But, so, but right, but that, that's where Apple came up with that. They said, you know what, let's make it, let's make it that 9.1 cents and we'll make 100 streams equal the same as one physical copy, which is ridiculous because like, there aren't a lot of songs you buy and listen to 100 times, but whatever. I mean, unless it's like you know, something you, you really love. Okay, stop. Just just tell me when you really want to get into this. Oh, okay. One more thing, Keep going. and then we'll get into this because I, I can. <laughs> man, you are no, you are no, no, ready I'm... to roll. But basically, if you if you adopt this new Apple rate, it's it's still it's better than the current rate, but not that much better. And you're still way 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 behind what Spotify is paying owners of sound recordings. So this has really? to change. Oh, behind the sound recordings. Okay. Right. It, it's it's a little less than double what they're paying now. Yeah. But for, for musical compositions. But it has to change. I don't, in fact, I'm becoming less and less optimistic that the copyright royalty board is ever going to be the place where it changes. I think it has to change with Congress. Yeah, good luck with that. Well, and you say so. Yeah, but I do. I would, but, but with this Congress, probably the only thing that most musicians and this current political administration agree <laughs> on is this exact issue? We we talked about this Bill where Wall yeah, Sorry. this was actually like this was actually brought up right like before. But who, who we were talking yeah. Just, so you know the CPAC conferences, right? Yeah. So you probably yeah. agree with nothing that was mentioned at the CPAC yeah, conference. Threw up on my mouth a little. But the we one thing you probably a, do agree with, show. yeah, is the songwriter Josh Keir, who wrote "Need You Now" by Lady Antebellum, came yeah. up there and he basically said what we just said that 
streaming services aren't paying artists enough because the government's keeping the prices artificially low. I applaud him for doing that. Why was that at the CPAC conference? Ex- exactly. It makes Be- no because sense. Because this is something that Republicans actually get behind. They want the market to allow people to negotiate the streaming rates that they should get and that they think this isn't the place for government regulation. You agree with CPAC on something. How do you feel? Still skeptical. <laughs> What's the catch? Not yeah. enough for me to make me vote for. <laughs> but right. So, but that's what, so I mean, that's the situation we're in now. And I, as we implored artists on that first show that we did on this very topic, this is something I think we need to lobby Congress on. Artists need to let Congress know that these antiquated royalty rates are screwing songwriters. So let me ask you this. Where is ASCAP and BMI during all this? Because so, if I'm a songwriter, those are the two big things that I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's actually a very good question. Thank so, you. So, I got two music business people here now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. This is it's exciting here. I like this. Yeah, I know. You're only, t- you're only looking at him when he speaks. I, I didn't know you were still here. <laughs> um, you son so, of a bitch. here's where ASCAP <laughs> and BMI come into play. So, the, the, that royalty I gave you, that very tiny royalty for owners of songs for Spotify, that point zero 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 five eight. It includes two separate royalties. One is the mechanical royalty that we talked about, right. and that goes to like Harry Fox Agency and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. And the other royalty, it's a very, very, very tiny piece of that very, very tiny piece, is the performance royalty okay. for, the, for the use of the song. And that's the money that's collected by ASCAP, BMI, CSAC. So that's, that's where they come into play on okay. this. But you put, even when you put those two royalties together, the number is still comically low and songwriters are getting screwed and as the as this industry is now changing from being a physical industry and even a download industry to becoming a streaming industry we need to find a way to make the numbers work for for content creators that are both the ones who make recordings and the ones who make songs or this industry is not going to be able to function yeah i think you've got something you want to say now in streaming i i I don't like streaming either but i think yours is actually far more technical reason no no here's the thing i the streaming is the only way you're going to get music in the future. That's it. You're this not is gonna... where we're going. No, no, that's where we are. Yeah, that's like, true and, too. You know, I the, talking to a guy who like put ten grand into making an album. Um, this is six or seven years ago. Streaming was still it was popular, but it wasn't like the only way to get music. Still, people still kind of bought physical media. And um, I spent ten grand on this album. It took me two years and a ton of sweat and blood. And uh, I had a CD release party, and we sold out this club, and I was stoked to finally get in front of my friends and show them all this stuff. And I printed 300 CDs, and that cost a ton of money because the artist, graphic artist was late with the shit. Never mind. Um, <laughs> and I uh, like finished the set, had a really great set, feeling really good. I go down, sit at the table, and like, man, say hi to everybody and, and take my CDs. And they're like, man, that was kick-ass. I'm like, thanks, man. Thanks for coming out. It was really great to see you there, man. Thanks, thanks so much. Oh, my God, so much fun. Man, you want a disc, man? I got them all right here. He's like, oh, is it on Spotify? Fuck no, it's not on Spotify. <laughs> no, it cost me $10,000. How many spins do I need to get? A bajillion. A bajillion, yeah. yeah no. So, well. so that was my first like gut reaction to any streaming service. It's still not on Spotify. And I'm going to put it up in the next couple of weeks, actually, because I have friends who are like, oh, remember that album? Yeah, I do. It's in my fucking closet. Um, <laughs> so that was my gut reaction to any of the streaming services, despite myself using them frequently for yeah. background music at nightclubs and stuff. But um, y- you have to have it on there. That's the only way that the mass market is going to get there. Now, if I'm a super fan of a CD, think of a CD that I've listened to a hundred times, like Eric Clapton Unplugged. I've mm-hmm. had that many. T- I bought that CD probably six or seven times. I've probably listened to it five hundred times. Right. You know, um, I don't have many albums like that. 
I'd say on average, if I bought a CD, I might listen to it all the way through 20 times. Um, so over the course of a decade. So if you can base your streaming royalties off of, instead of 100 spins, how about off of 20 spins and make that 20 spins equal to 9.125 cents, mm-hmm. then I'd be okay with that. But the the model right now doesn't work. And part of the reason it doesn't work is because Spotify is taking so much fucking money. Yeah. So I'm all for streaming, but but... Somebody got in there real early with their grubby little hands on it, and it's not, it's, it's going to put them out of business because they're going to run out of content. Well, one of the proposals that people that I'm, I'm hearing about how the, how the way that streaming should be structured, let me see what you think of this. Sure. Is basically what Spotify does now is all the money that everybody's paying for Spotify goes into a giant pot. Spotify takes its cut, large cut. Yeah, it's, it's sizable. And then, Whatever is left, however many times your song was played relative to all the songs that were played, that's how much money you get. And okay. that comes out to about, you know, about 7.7 cents a stream. One of the things that people are proposing that we should do is instead of putting everything into a giant pot, they should take, they should treat each Spotify subscriber as its own pot. And so what happens is if you use your Spotify account and you listen to Dave Matthews Band half the time and Tom waits half the time then and give all of my subscription money to Dave Matthews right, and Tom Right then Waits. half of your money goes to Dave Matthews and half your money goes to Tom Waits what happens now is some yoga studio <laughs> pays 9.99 a month for Spotify and Enya keeps getting checks and well not even Enya but just they just play <clears throat> top 40 radio or right. whatever radio and they pay thousands of songs a day mm-hmm. And that dilutes you listening to Tom Waits and Dave Matthews. And nobody's band. actually listening to it. Right. Yeah. And that can tend to screw over certain For sure. songwriters and singers. And so that's one of the things that they've talked about is like treat each individual subscriber like its own person who's paying out royalties. I like that better. Yeah. It's, but it's still the number's not right. Yeah. They, and they're, they're not going to make the number go up because they got that you know really expensive uh, Manhattan office they got to pay the rent on. <laughs> well, actually, I heard it's like rent control. Like they got a sweet deal serious? from New York or something. <laughs> Um, somebody put out an article recently where they said how many Spotify streams would it take to equal the annual income of the average, average Spotify employee? Yeah, it's, it was it's in the completely millions. insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, you want to make it in the music industry? Work at Spotify. True enough. Uh, but what I think the broader narrative gets to, and we've talked about this on the show before, and this That's is kind of what are you, all, all the debts you talk about on the show. Yeah, <laughs> is what I think is happening, and it sucks for musicians, but there is an adjustment that has to be made. And I think ultimately we can pull out of this. So we're still in flux for the better, right? Is music is becoming less and less a pro recorded music. I should say is becoming less and less a product and more and more a commercial, a advertisement, a loss leader. Yeah. You know, you get your music out there to as many ears as possible. So those people want to go watch you live or go want to watch you do a show on stage it and, you know, put into your tip jar or, or a TV show or a movie or a video game licenses your material. And that might be what the revenue streams have to look like. That might be the way the money has to work. But as you said, it's in flux. I mean, I, I, I'm still kind of an ideologue as far as that. Like, why can't making the, the best album of the year be enough to support you? Why do you have to sell 500,000 t-shirts to be able to afford rent? Because and the only reason you sold your t-shirts because your music's so good, but you're never going to make money on your music. Why does it have to be that way? No, I, I'm you with know, you. That's see. I realized I was nodding as you were talking, and I realized that's terrible for podcasting. It's true. Because how is somebody supposed to know I'm agreeing with you if yeah. I'm just? Well, nodding I appreciate my head. you nodding at least. <laughs> well, so 
Let's talk about some copyright stuff. Even more fun. So I'm just like we're, we're hashing some Dave of the, is hurting the old right greatest hits. Don't worry, we got pop culture coming too, folks. And of course, we have Marcio Novelli and Ross Barber Smith coming in the next segment. The, 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 that segment did feel very long. Felt right. It felt <laughs> right, Ryan. Also, because maybe because I've heard, I think unbeknownst he's to him, heard this before. He, he's basically actually he sort of repeated himself verbatim from a show like a few weeks ago, if not the last one. Uh, I, was, so, I didn't listen to that one, so I know you did. That's and fine. now you got my sexy voice all over it, so yeah, no, it makes it completely better. different. Yeah. So I actually, you know what? I think what we should do is, unbeknownst yeah. to him, have you record his audiobook. Perfect. He's been spending all this time going doing all these sessions. I know I've listened to half of it already. You have? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. This thing it's actually this. really good, Ryan. Thank you very much. You listen to his audiobook? Half of it. Is it released? No. No. He's helping me. He's I'm, helping I'm, me listen to it. I'm audio oh. proofreading it. <laughs> nice. Can I talk about my story, please? Yeah. Thank you. Go ahead. So. Yeah. And I, I think you're gonna hate this too because I'm rehashing an old <laughs> statement again, but it's Probably. been brought up in the news again. Do Ed it. Sheeran uh, is in the news. Billboard magazine has reported that Ed Sheeran has added the three co-writers of the TLC song. No Scrubs mm. mm-hmm. as co-writers to his song Shape of You. Okay. And the reason why he has done this is the same reason why Sam Smith had to do this a few months back with Tom Petty. And that was That he, one pissed me off. Well, it's the same thing. It's it's defensive. There is a concern that those writers might sue Ed Sheeran for copyright infringement. And so as a defensive measure, he let them be co-writers so they wouldn't sue him. What do you think? Um this is this is uh, this is real cut and dry. What do you think cost them more money? Cutting them a blank after the fact, sorry, here's a check, or putting them naming them as songwriters? Well, this is the sorry after the fact. Naming them as songwriters? Yeah. Oh. Well, because because look, here are the options. Like this is like the reason why you're seeing this in the news now, and you've never really heard this before. Blurred lines is because of blurred lines. Mm. Yeah. It's it's Robin Thick. Robin, like that jury verdict came out in which. A jury basically held that two songs that really don't sound that much the same other than just a general groove... You can't we, copyright a vibe. ...are infringing... Well, hold on a second. He basically stole Marvin Gaye's song. No, he didn't. At all. Those songs are... He, he, stole, he stole the entire insane. 1970s. Exactly. He stole a vibe. Like, and, and this is genuinely scary because, Evan, you write songs. Yes. You know, you're the only songwriter in this room. I couldn't point to anybody else, but you write songs like... I don't want you to live in a world where every song you write, you're constantly in fear that you might be channeling the groove or the vibe of somebody else, well, and then somebody you could else, be on the receiving end of a $5 million jury verdict. Somebody else with a much bigger lawyer. Right. You know, the, this going back to exactly what we were just talking about and revenue streams, this, because you don't make any money on your music, this is a new revenue stream for people like Tom Petty who are keep trying to keep their catalog relevant. As he's getting older, no, we're gonna sue Sam Smith because it's the if you look at it on paper, stay with me and don't back down are the same exact melody and chords, but it's a completely fucking different right. song. And blurred lines and the Marvin Gaye tune are completely fucking different. And pre-production, you play me these two clips, and this pisses me off. Well, all right, let's well, you know, let's let people decide. So we have TLC, so, No Scrubs, and Ed Sheeran. So we're gonna here. play Ed Sheeran first. And and by the way, what they're saying is the infringing is just one freaking line of the song. So here it is. This is the line and shape of you. Mind me, say boy, let's not talk too much. Grab on my waist and put that body on me. Come on now, follow my lead. Come, come on now, follow my lead. I actually could have stopped that like three or four seconds sooner, but that song's kind of a jam. And I hate that song. I love me some Ed Sheeran. That dude's gifted. All right, he's so, very talented. Oh, you just I'm went right to the uh, the infringing part. Yeah. Oh, see, because I I I thought it was gonna be uh, it was gonna be late the second time later on. 
So I didn't even hear the similarities there at all. He's a lawyer. He's uh, you know, trying to avoid the copyright. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 let's, let's, not get let's be on the right side of fair use here, huh? <laughs> all right. So and here he, here's here's TLC. Oh, you're a lawyer too. Yeah, you thank should, you. So Dick. you should have known better. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we all we all heard Ed Sheeran. Here's here's the same, you know, not the same section. But the well, what we uh-huh. say is the same section from No Scrubs. All right, take it Didn't back. That it? song is a Didn't jam. You hear it? Yes. Can, can, we just, can we just listen to that? Because it makes me remember middle school. No, we can't listen to that. <laughs> Why not, man? Late 90s. Be on the right side of fair use. This is we want to be on the right side of fair use. Comparing two songs that are newsworthy, fair use. You wanting to relive middle school, not fair okay. use. Okay, what if we don't have fun? Mm. Remember? Mm. <laughs> so if we don't enjoy it. Yeah. Like if we listen to it, but we're disappointed, and we if, if we, we want to listen to it, if we want to listen yeah. to it, be disappointed. Put back at cheer. Oh, oh damn! I kind of like him, but that song sucks. <laughs> well, that's like his first single off the album. Like he needs that one to be a hit. Good and, for him. And it is a hit, by the way. That I thing, know it is. That's why I hear it on top forty in Dallas all the time. So I mean, that's you listen that, to radio. It's only on when I get in my car before it recognizes my phone to listen to the Break the <laughs> okay. Business podcast. Ooh. I mean, that's probably a lie, but that's very kind of you. Yeah, it's not you. I listen yeah. to Giant Bomb and stuff. Well, that's a good show, too. <laughs> so, right. But you, I mean, there's kind of a similar groove there. Like, some no, of the melodies. It's, it's one melody, right? Right. But nobody, and, and you know, if you if you were to, like, bring Ed Sheeran in here and hit him with a little bit of truth serum, he's going to tell you, like, this is nonsense. But he doesn't want to be the next Robin Thicke. Nobody wants to be the next Robin Thicke. That jury in that case has scared every songwriter in the music industry and it has allowed other songwriters to basically bully today's content creators. And that makes me afraid for somebody who wants to support independent artists because, and you know, because these are people that, you know, you basically can't make it as an independent artist in this day and age. You can't make the numbers work unless you're writing your own material. Right. And again, these aren't, you know, you know what Ed Sheeran did. He what that that wasn't intentional. Like he wasn't trying to channel TLC. Maybe, well, possibly, it might have been somewhere in the back of his subconscious. But I doubt that. And well, it's the same thing. To be fair, we don't know that. Yeah, it, we don't know his state of mind. So no, I'm just saying. But like, see there, I am lawyering up for you right there. <laughs> I, we we can't just blanketly say but, what's in his head. But something needs to change with Red the law. Hair. We need to change. Like maybe Congress <laughs> has to change what the substantial similarity standard is yeah, for music. Good. So that you don't run into this because, right, I don't want Evan to get sued someday because he writes something that kind of has a similar groove there, well, from there, something that was deep in the recesses of his mind. On the Big Tasty record, which isn't on Spotify, but it will be in a month or so, there are two songs on there that I would absolutely get sued for. Really? Yeah. Well, I yeah, mean, hey. then you, why did you rip off my stuff? Well, <laughs> I'm sorry that you're such a brilliant creator. I just had to. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I kind of want to avoid... All the fame and noise, so I don't use my name. I don't use my real name. It's Metal Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Steve Winwood. Thank you. <laughs> Metal Steve yeah. Winwood. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's most of my well, stuff. They're, they're actually both TLC songs. Like Evan ripped off Creep and Waterfalls. I don't know if you yeah, know. I'm really into TLC. <laughs> That's not a lie. I am really I mean, into I mean, TLC. I mean, what are you doing? That's not a joke. You like who's not really into TLC? They're, 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 the songs are great, man. All right. So that's. That's what's going on there. It pisses me off. It, it should. It's because it's not a revenue stream for somebody who doesn't have a billion dollar lawyer. You know yeah. what I mean? It's only for people who have a back catalog and have a ton of money to throw at these lawsuits. And right. 
And, that, and that, that's the part about this stinks. Like, Tom Petty didn't need that money when he came after Sam Smith. What is he doing? It's crabs in the barrel, man. Yeah. Everybody's trying to get all... There's only so much money left. You got to go after him. It's right. fucked up. And, and the Marvin Gaye one was even now worse. because That wasn't... You've sworn like six I times know, already. Okay. Yeah. Because in the Marvin Gaye suit, that's not even Marvin Gaye. Like, Marvin Gaye is exactly. not with us anymore. That was his estate. Yeah, because like, he's the artist. He probably would have listened to... to what, Robert Robert Lines. Thicke, he would have yeah. listened to Robin Thicke and it's like, no, he didn't steal my song. Yeah. I get it. I get it. He's an artist. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it, it's, it just stinks. So, well, see, I thought these two discussion items that we had were kind of different, but really it's no, just, it's, it's a related. theme. It's how songwriters are being screwed by today's There's only industry. so much money left, so they're going after it. Yeah, no, it's brutal. All right. Uh, Mark Novelli and Ross Barber-Smith coming up next on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time, my new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and in ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. They are the hosts of Bridge the Atlantic, a video podcast featuring interviews with musicians, filmmakers, actors, artists, and other creative professionals. You can check out their over 100 episodes by visiting bridge-the-atlantic.com or by searching Bridge the Atlantic on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, Marcio Novelli and Ross Barber-Smith are on the Break the Business podcast. Hello, gentlemen. Good to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Oh, um, hey, Ryan. Oh, good to hear from you guys again. I actually just spoke with you recently because I had the pleasure of recently being a guest on your show, and I just loved everything about your whole dynamic. Marcio, you're based out of Canada. Ross, you're over in Scotland, and you host a show while separately recording from your respective countries. That sounds really hard to do from a practical standpoint. How is what you do not a complete logistical disaster every time you try to do an episode? It is. Um, it oh, is. well, there you go. <laughs> that kind of, uh, that sums it up, yeah. Uh, before <laughs> the interview, up our lives. Yeah, Ryan and I were talking before, and he said, on paper, this shouldn't work. It really shouldn't. Because <laughs> no. you, you're each in a different country. You often have a guest who's in a third country, and you're doing yeah. it uh, on audio, but there's also a video component. How do all three of the computers just not spontaneously combust mid-interview? They sometimes do. Yeah. Um, I will say that doing the video portion is what makes it about a hundred times harder. Um, that that's that I insisted on that, eh, Ross? Up front, you did. So you just want an audio? Yeah, I was hesitant because it meant that I had to have a shower and get dressed. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I I, I I I know I was hesitant to do the video side of things, but I, I do I like the fa- I like that we have a video element, but it does add a bit of a headache sometimes. To the proceedings. Yes. Well, then, you know, it got to a point where, you know, it was just so much work that I ended up, I wanted to drop the video side of it because I'm the one who edits the video. Um, although Ross makes all the notes for, for me to make the edits. And uh, Ross was actually the one insisting, no, we can't lose the video now. So it kind of did a 180. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Full circle. laughs> well, well, let me ask you this. Since you guys are based in different countries, how were you two able to first meet and get your show off the ground? I think you tell the story a bit better, Ross. Um, okay, I'll try. I'll try. Thank, thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so Marcio and I met on Twitter, which is where I meet almost everyone. Um, 
and we ended up working together on Marcio's site. And um, which is fabulous, by the way. Th- thank you. Because of you. Stop complimenting <laughs> me. You know I don't like it. Um, so so yeah, we worked together on on that site, and um and as as I often do with clients, if I'm on a podcast and they ask for recommendations for a guest, I'll recommend someone that I think could be a good fit. And this time I recommended Marcio. In fact, I think I recommended you for like four or five different yeah. podcasts. But anyway, so that was on Music Bizcast. And um, as soon as that interview was done, Marcio called me on Skype and said, we should start a podcast. And I'd already kind of had an idea that I would like to do a podcast, but I just had no idea how to do it or what I would do. So when Marcio suggested it, I instantly said yes. And we kind of moved really quickly from there. I think from the initial idea, um, we put the website together we started booking guests and I think we had like 20 interviews in the can probably within a month or two months, possibly. Man, we, we talked about this in July. We had the website done, I think, either by the end of July or by August. We had our first recordings, I think, in August and in, in September and we launched in October with 20 episodes in the bag. I don't know how we did that. Well, it's Everything a- else must have been put on the back burner. <laughs> it's amazing how good ideas can just sort of come together like that. But wait, based on what you're telling me, though, like, how many times have you guys actually physically been in the same room with each other? Zero. What? Yeah, zero. You, you <laughs> I mean, guys have done over 100 episodes you've never actually met? No. <laughs> I know, right? We should start some kind of crowdfunding campaign. It's like I know. <laughs> properly bridge the Atlantic, get Marcio and Ross in the same room. We'll film it in slow-mo, too. Yeah, slowly and it'll be Michael Bolton other. in the background. <laughs> Michael Bolton plays a huge part of our show. Yeah. Kind of by accident yeah. as well. Slowly yeah. running on a beach toward each other as you uh, yeah. meet and, and, and they'll be, how am I supposed <laughs> to live without you? <laughs> I love it. Th- this is completely oh, insane. You you have a thriving music <laughs> and creative industry podcast. You've interviewed a ton of very significant figures in the entertainment field, on the industry side, on the music side, everything. You've never actually physically been in the same place as each other. That I wow. I thought for sure you would have said, "Oh no, we've met a couple times, you know, here and there, you know, once the once so, we hit 100 episodes, like we had a beer together." Nothing. Wow. I was actually talking to my wife about this last night and uh, she's like, "You know, it's just too bad Ross doesn't live like nearby because you guys are such best friends, right? We're besties." And uh, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, but what if like what if our friendship works so well because we don't hang out in the same room? What if we got together in the same room and it was just disastrous? <laughs> Everything was just over. That well, was it, which I'm sure would not happen. Yeah, but. It's like that, you know, AOL instant messenger boyfriend or girlfriend that we all had like when we were like 15 or 16 where you have these really deep, excellent <laughs> conversations that, you know, go on for hours. But, you know, the moment you get together, it's going to be like, hey, hi. What's up? Not yeah, much. The difference with Ross and I, though, is we, we Skype like every day. Seriously. Yeah. Sometimes for three hours or, or longer. Wow. <laughs> well, for how long now? Like three plus years? Maybe four? No, four years, right? Uh, yeah, so it was 2012 that your website launched. So Yeah. Yeah. Oh, kid. What's the math on that? God, that's almost five years ago, Marcio. <laughs> I guess it is, yeah. Well, it'll be five uh, years this October or something. Yes, absolutely. Not keep track of our anniversary or anything. <laughs> All right. Um, let's let's talk a bit about what you guys uh, do on Bridge the Atlantic. So you've had countless guests on the show, a lot of really impressive uh, folks from the entertainment industry. What are some of the best insights for indie musicians that one of your guests imparted on Bridge the Atlantic? Oh, man, that's a tough one. That is tough because there's so many. And I think I think kind of looking 
back at them, it, it can be hard to remember specifically what some people have said. I know uh, that what the, there's a thread, though, Ross. I mm-hmm. think from the beginning, from the first episode to our most recent, there tends to be a thread that comes and goes every few episodes. And it is um, the, the, the importance of following your gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we call it the gut brain. Yep, yeah, the it comes, yeah, it comes again and again and again. Um, and often by the, you know, we, every, we love everyone that comes on our show, of course, but there's some like the extra successful ones, I guess, particularly um, uh, talk about how important it is to follow your gut feeling on things, you know, for better or for worse. Yeah, I would say that. And also, I think um, the, I've forgotten where I was going with this. <laughs> Well, you know, the idea, I think what we talk about a lot is the, is the dichotomy between your, your brain and your body. You know, we like to overthink things and think what should be the logical thing to do and the, and the, the next step you should take, you know, and sometimes you're presented with what on paper, you know, and your brain interprets it as a great, perfect, that's what I need to do. That's an opportunity, but there's just something in you that says, ah, and I've experienced this countless times and I've not listened to that countless times and I've, you know, gone with my brain and uh, every single time I regret it. However, on the flip side, every single time I've listened to that feeling in my body, I have not regretted it, Wow. you know? Yeah. And I think that that's, uh, I think Ross, you and I agree on that. And, uh, and that's something that comes up again and again. That's what stands out to me. That what comes up again and again. And, 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 you know, I, I, maybe, maybe there are some times I regret, maybe, maybe I'm not remembering all those. However, at the end of the day, at least, you know, you listen to that, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, no one can, you can't blame anyone but yourself if it doesn't work out. Cause you know, you listen to your brain and your brain's also going to be influenced by other people, but that feeling in your body, I think no one can influence that. I think that's just an instinct. You know, um, yes, indeed. Uh, Ross, you completely lost your train of thought on that question. So I'm actually going to bench <laughs> you for this question. Um, and I'm just going to talk to just Marcio on this one. Like, yeah, you're going to get some time out for this. But Marcio, <laughs> in addition to your Bridge the Atlantic hosting duties, uh, you are also an accomplished indie musician in your own right. And when when people look you up, I imagine one of the first things they notice about you are your music videos. My good luck. Well, you know, after the obvious. <laughs> um, are your videos. These videos are amazing. They look sleek. Oh, wow, they're beautifully you. shot. And... I think one of the biggest challenges for indie musicians is making videos that look like that look like well they they weren't shot by an indie musician. Um, right. Do you have any tips for the listeners on making good videos, particularly when your resources are limited? Yeah, actually, I I don't think I've ever spent more than like five hundred dollars. Wow, yeah, my music videos. Um, but that's because I, I take a really active role. I, I either direct or co-direct them, I produce and I edit them all myself. Um, however, I would strongly suggest finding you know, very talented filmmakers. However, I mean, I've never worked with anyone that's way up there, quote unquote, you know, really accomplished. I usually actually work with um, people just out of film school because they're hungry, they're eager, they're willing to work, and uh, they often will work pro bono. You know what I mean? And uh, because I'm also willing to work and I'll take on all the other duties, as you said earlier, um, you know, but really I just need them for about a day just to shoot the thing and to, you know, co-direct it with me. Yeah. So, so that, that seems to have worked out, although it doesn't come without its, its, uh, its woes. Well, uh, you can check out Marcio's awesome music and videos at marcionavelli.com. No kidding. They look amazing. Um, and a- after doing a bunch of these videos, Marcio, um, you've probably been able to identify some common mistakes that you see other musicians making with their videos. Where, what are some of the common pitfalls? Well, 
I mean, this is 2017. People are used to seeing things look sleek. You know what I mean? You can't make something that just doesn't look crisp. And that's where a cinematographer comes in. Um, or at least at least using a really good camera in the very least. You know, you got to make things HD, you know, 1080 at least or, or above. You also have to know, um, not to go into too much technical stuff, but you also need to know frame rates and uh, just just not just frame rates, but also just the look of it. You know, and this is again where a cinematographer comes in and get yourself someone that has something to show you. You want to look at what they've done and show other people too, you know, um, and don't just settle for less. You know, you got, this is, this is, I look at I look at my music videos in two ways. When I'm creating it, same as my music. When I'm creating it, I'm creating a work of art. You know, I'm creating art. But then when it's time to kind of put it out there, you got to look at it as as well as okay. Well, this is going to uh, this is I hate to call it a commercial. It sounds so bad, but it's it's a way to show people showcase your music, right? So don't settle for less. But uh, you know, getting into the pitfalls. Don't uh, just try not to be cheesy. <laughs> you know, I know some things that a lot of bands think are funny. It's like inside jokes. No one else gets them. Uh, and remember, that's just actually something I keep in mind. You know, I have, I have two little ones now. So just remember that you might not be a parent now, but you will be one day. And, uh, <laughs> and you might even be a grandparent one day. And so remember that, you know, the Internet is just going to keep growing. And um, you don't want them to see some things. Don't put it out there. You know, <laughs> just just think about that. <laughs> All right. Think about your future self sometimes. Indeed. All right, Ross, you're back in the game here. Um, let, I'm pulling you in because I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of what you do, too. And when you're not bridging the Atlantic with Marcio, you are the founder of the web design service Electric Kiwi. You create websites and artwork for musicians and industry professionals. You can check it out at electrickiwi.co.uk. And I want to ask you, Ross, a question about timing when it comes to having a company like yours build your website for you. Uh, for the musicians out there who lack the skill set to build a professional-looking website, when is the time right in one's career to get a top-shelf web, web presence? Uh, can a musician get by by using a more cookie-cutter page in the early going, or should artists try to get something professional-looking as early as possible? Um, I mean, I would say the more professional you can look early on, the better that's going to serve you. But I totally understand that budgets are not always there, Sometimes you need something turned around within a couple of days because something's happened that you didn't realize was going to happen and you need to have some kind of web presence on there. So in that situation, when you don't have the budget or you're on a really, really tight time frame, doing something yourself or using like a, you know, a service that provides templates for you is fine. But for me, I, I always look at them and, and I, I feel like they all look very similar. They look pretty much like you know, the same as anyone else. And and the way that I approach it is I think every artist is unique, so their website should be unique to them. Um, but it's really just a case of it's when you're ready to make that investment in a website that's going to last you, you know, that's going to, to quote Michael Bolton, go the distance. Um, <laughs> you. Um, All right, what is with this Michael Bolton fascination you guys have? <laughs> this is like the third Michael Bolton reference you've dropped in this interview, and this has not been a long interview. Ross has been Ross was raised by Michael Bolton. Yep, that's, I that's how I put it. Except, well, that that was a, that was when I badly worded it. I wasn't raised by Michael Bolton. I was raised on Michael Bolton, his music. Not yeah, I was gonna say. Himself. But but yeah, so both of, of our back. mothers listened to Michael Bolton yeah. when we were growing up. We were we were we were forced. Well, I was forced to listen to it. Ross was uh, privileged to listen to it um, <laughs> growing up. So yeah, it's a big part of our um, 
upbringing, I guess. Oh, and yeah. he has tweeted us, and he is. We do. Uh, we urge everyone listening to this get help get him on the show. Let him know you want to see him on Bridge yeah. the Atlantic. I mean, Come on. Yeah, I mean, so he, he's tweeted yeah. at you. I mean, we can't. You can't. You can't get him on Bridge the Atlantic. I mean, what's he doing uh, right we're, now? That's so we're important. Working on it. We're working, we're working on it. He's busy we, filming we our specials for Netflix. That's what he's. That's oh, what he's busy that's doing. true. I I saw that. <laughs> um, and uh, and I, and I'll say this, Ross. One of the things I do like about your websites um, is, as you said, none of them look like the other one. You really you really create something that's unique to every artist, and I've always thought that was really impressive. Um, when you're looking at other artists' websites, because I bet you spend a lot of time just looking at different musicians and the web presence they have. What are some of the common mistakes you see? Um, I mean, I, th- this is one that I find mostly when people have done their site themselves is they put way too much stuff on there, like on the homepage in particular. So they think that just because you can have a Spotify widget and a SoundCloud widget and 50 YouTube videos and, you know, everything and anything, they, they, they shove it all on there and it's just overwhelming. So there's too much to look at. There's no direction. So a person landing on that site doesn't have a clue what they're supposed to be doing. The way to approach your site is always think about what the main thing you want people to do is and try and guide them towards that. So whether that's signing up for a mailing list or you want to promote your latest video, whatever the focus is should be up front and center right away. Um, Another common mistake that I see is, and this is actually something I found as a podcaster trying to reach people, invite them onto the show, is sites that don't have any contact information whatsoever. Oh, it's the worst. So, I mean, I'm not talking about like obviously putting your personal email address on there, but there's no no contact information at all. So there's no publicist, no booking agent, no manager, no general inquiries email, absolutely nothing. Um, so that's that's a big one, and you just don't know what opportunities you're missing out on because someone goes to your site and thinks, oh, this this musician sounds amazing. I really want to. You know, I want to collaborate with them. I want to sign them to my label or, or whatever it might be. If they can't reach you, then, you know, that's just an opportunity gone down the drain. So that's a big one that I see. And um, another one is uh, when they don't have a mailing list, you know, so there's no way for people to collect email addresses. Um, it's still really important to do it. Um, but there are a lot of artists who are not doing that or they are, but they're not doing it on their website. Well, I, I want to jump in for a sec. Ross, you are really nice and you won't say this, but artists don't make your own websites. Seriously. <laughs> You're not going to be taken seriously. Get Ross to do it. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, but actually in saying that, right, sometimes I find that like an artist will contact me and I'll, I'll, I'll tell them how much it's going to cost and they say, Oh, I can't afford that right now. I'll do it myself. They go away and then they come back two weeks later and like, Oh, I tried Always. to do this and it's a disaster. Of it looks course. horrible. It's like, Let's work together. I can't afford it right now, but I'm going to hire you when the time is right because you gave me a little bit of advice. I tried to do it myself and I realized this is why it costs money. You still need a hub because social media platforms come and go. You still need a place to get people. You know, that's that's my strong belief. Oh, uh, I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Very, very well said. We a few weeks ago on the podcast, we actually talked about uh, because you're you're by the you're you know, you're one of many guests we've had on the show who've said the same thing. You know, you can't you don't want to put all your eggs in the basket of a social media account because those things can come and go. They can, you know, make yep. them paid or put up walls or change the way things are calculated in terms of seeing posts. MySpace. Right. Perfect well, example. Well, I mean, an even more recent example with that, look what's happened with Vine. There were musicians yeah. who built their whole career out of just doing six mm-hmm. second Vine videos and then that's gone. gone. <laughs> so if you don't have a presence, yeah, 
if you don't have a, a presence that truly belongs to you in the form of your website, it, you can you know end up really getting upended if uh, the social media world changes on you. Um, it happened to me. Happened to me in the MySpace days when that went away. It was very difficult to rebuild that and and find those people again. You or have them find me. Oh wow! So yeah, yeah, I, I learned from that. <laughs> and then you met Ross, and Ross made it all better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Gentlemen, yeah. uh, this has been terrific. I'm, I'm I'm glad we got to talk about your podcast and talk about uh, Marcio's music career and Ross's fantastic web company. Um, and of course, the Michael Bolton talk has been divine. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. before we let you go, uh, can I get a tip from each of you, um, other than what we've talked about already, on for the indie artist listeners out there and how they can move their careers forward? We'll start with Marcio first. Um, don't be afraid to work, 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 work. Uh, you, you've got to, this has got to be something that you're completely dedicated to. If you're a part-time, if you work on this part-time, then expect to be a part-time artist. You know, um, at the same time, you know, you do need balance in your life or else you burn yourself out. It's happened to me several times. still happens every now and then. Uh, you know, just give it your all. And, but at the end of the day, you also have to realize, you know, and ask yourself, why are you doing this? you know, kind of remind yourself and that might shift and change over time, but reevaluate every now and then and, uh, just keep going at it. I mean, it, it's got, whatever makes you happy, you got to do, you know what I mean? And, and try to block out the noise. There's always going to be naysayers, you know, it could be from far away or it could be from the closest people for, uh, to you, but you've, you've just got to keep going your own path and, uh, but do it for the right reasons, you know? And, and lastly, I would actually say it's a completely different landscape completely different landscape right now it, the days of you know going into a uh, playing a club with no one watching you but that right that right one person is there and they sign you and they make you a star you know that that doesn't happen anymore you could you can have a great music and uh, a great following and that's still not enough you know but that's okay because we're living in a world right now that there's so many ways to just reach you can just reach your fans or you know and create a following directly now you don't need a middle person anymore and there's and there's so many platforms now that allow you to raise funds and uh again going to those people directly even if that fan base is like a fraction of the size you actually might find that that's a bit more um you you might find a bit more success you know um than maybe being signed to a label but not um not having the full control of everything you know so i mean redefine what success is look what it is to you because we're all told that success is being that rock star on television. You know what I mean? But it's a different landscape now. It really is. And I and I have I have a strong feeling there's a lot of those stars that kind of wish that they could have this independent um, vehicle that they you know the full control, no one kind of telling them what to do, and being able to just work with their their fans directly. So you know, embrace that. Don't be afraid of it. All right, Ross. I should let you know that Marcio took all your time, so you have five seconds. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. no, no, oh, go, no, go for it. The, the floor is yours, Ross. Okay. Cool. Okay. <laughs> so my advice to uh, any indie musician would be uh, value the relationships that you have professionally um, and support each other. Um, I find that uh, for me, like so much of my business comes through referrals because I treat my clients well and I, I feel like I've got good relationships with them. And I think that if you've got a good relationship with your audience, they're more likely to recommend you to their friends and they're more likely to support you in the long term. So think about ways that you can show your appreciation to them and always just be trying to build a stronger connection with the people that already like you instead of just trying to find new people you know, to pull into your crowd. So treat the people that already like you well 
and let them become advocates for what you do. Uh, and that, that applies both to musicians and I guess like music businesses as well. Check out Marcio and Ross's fantastic podcast, Bridge the Atlantic, by visiting bridge-the-atlantic.com. Check out Marcio's music by visiting marcionovelli.com. That's M-A-R-C-I-O-N-O-V-E-L-L-I.com. And check out Ross's web design company, Electric Kiwi, at electrickiwi.co.uk. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Thanks for having us. We'll be right back on the Break the Business Podcast. Friend of the show, John Ratzenberger here with Ryan Carella, author of Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry, available on Amazon.com. Ryan, tell the folks a little about the book. Well, the book's about empowering Well, artists. that's fascinating, Ryan, but it's only a 15-second commercial. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Marcio Novelli and Ross Barber-Smith for joining us in the previous... <laughs> hey, it's actually live studio applause Yeah, for the first time. Yeah, I'm sure they appreciate that one actual applause more than the many, many fake applauses that exactly. we have on the soundboard. Well, it's from the heart. Um, but you did kind of interrupt my spiel about how I was going to tell people where they can find their stuff. But... Hey, Ryan, tell me where you can find their stuff. Well, I'm glad you asked, Evan. You can check out Marcio and Ross's fantastic podcast, Bridge the Atlantic, by visiting bridge-the-atlantic.com. You can check out Marcio's music at marcionovelli.com and Ross's web design company, Electric Kiwi, at electrickiwi.co.uk. There you go. Electric job, Kiwi. Ryan. I like the sound of it. That's cool. It's pretty cool, right? Makes me think he's from New Zealand, though, not from England. Electric Kiwi. Well, that's because the Kiwi are in New Zealand, but the Electric Kiwi, they've made they've made their way over. Yeah, I'm 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 uncomfortable by all this. Okay. Yeah. Do would you like to be made less uncomfortable? Yeah. Too bad. Evan, see Ryan. What's going on? See Ryan, I am so glad, in a way, that uh, our good friend Evan is here. Yeah, sure. Because him and I have had a, a feud. (laughs) <laughs> you call it that. long running ever since 19 i think 86 it was that's a joke i, I was two thanks and i was one and we didn't know each other you have a feud we, well okay. you don't even live in the same well place. We, we, we have a disagreement uh evan evan is essentially wrong no about, i have a uh i can i can back up my with facts but no 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 you can't no you can't what's what's happening okay one at up. a time okay <laughs> Evan constantly badmouths Lars Ulrich from Metallica. Oh, yep. All right, always. This guy always just poking him and everything. But wait, what does he do? Just poking him. Okay. The technical term. <laughs> I mean, I, I filed I file that in court once. I read poking him. Yeah, it's perfect. I, yeah, I object. Okay, I overruled. <laughs> Are you familiar with Chris Adler, my friend? No. Oh. I don't even know who Chris Adler is. See? Well, you don't know anything. You're but in the that's, minority. Yeah. But uh, Chris Adler, the drummer of uh, Lamb of God. Okay. Yeah. That uh, big metal band. Okay. Yeah. Big time stuff, buddy. Okay. Yeah. Big drummer. That's fine. In an interview with Wondering Sound, he was asked about sort of his influences and everything. And yeah. they asked about Lars Ulrich. And he says, quote, you know what? Everywhere I went when we toured with Metallica, people would come up to me and say, did you hear Lars mess that up? Or what do you think of Lars and all this stuff? And, and I was re- like, I know, right? And I, and I think you should shut up during the quote. Sorry. I think it's real easy to pick on the king. And for me, there was a particular sound that happened on an Injustice for All record that made me want to tune my drums that way. And that almost defined what metal drums are supposed to sound like. And then seeing him live, he made fewer mistakes than I did. There's never a perfect night, but I think people give him too much a hard time. I think he's a great drummer. 
And talking to him and getting to know him a little bit, I, I think there's a point where if you're constantly absorbed with performance, making sure every night is perfect and every song is played perfectly. Did Chris Hadler stutter when, through this too? <laughs> Sorry, I'm continue, going continue. to kill you. <laughs> Live on air, it'll be the first podcast death ever recorded, and they won't that. convict me. <laughs> I've got my lawyer right here. Let him finish the quote. Finish the quote. Yeah, they got they got the Tweedle D and Tweedle Man, Dumbass he's over here. Mad at you, Evan. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> this bullshit. You made him lose his place in the quote. Success. All right. Anyway, Chris Sadler, and one back. of the uh, one of the greatest drummers going right now. Loves Lars. Part of the peer group of drummers absolutely love him. I got another interview here with uh, if Ryan's Wi-Fi will load, which <laughs> it usually doesn't sometimes. With uh, Joey Jordanson, former drummer of uh, Slipknot. This is yeah. testimonial two of seventy, by the okay, way. Good, so buckle up. Seventy-four. Uh, <laughs> again, talking about Lars. A lot of people give this guy shit, but they need to shut their effing mouths because Lars Ulrich is probably one of the best and most innovative drummers ever. Raves Jordanson. I got to tour with the guy, and I watched him play every night from behind the kit, and his double bass was completely on point. He's also one of the best businessmen that keeps this type of music going. He's the heart of the whole effing community because Metallica are the kings. There will never be anybody that will match them, and Lars is a huge, huge part of that. All right. And then, I, of course, I, I'll have here, and, you, and you'll probably say, like, oh, well, he's biased because he's in the band. Well, yeah, it's Robert Trujillo of uh, Metallica. <laughs> And suicidal tendencies. And uh, suicidal tendencies, uh, Bla uh, Ozzy Osbourne, yeah, uh, Infectious he's Cruise. He's a bad motherfucker. I like that guy. Uh, he's, he's the you best. You are so explicit right now. He's the best. Yeah. Uh, and when asked about uh, Lars and all drumming, and so Rob said, quote, I've played with the best drummers in rock, ranging from Josh Freeze to Brooks Wackerman to even Dave Lombardo. Lombardo. And these guys respect Lars. They know he has a unique style of playing and production. Some drummers who don't have the kind of success Lars had are are quick to pass judgment. I don't know if it's a jealousy or whatever, Evan, but the really great drummers have mad respect for him. You, you done? know? You done? Yeah, I'm done. And also, I would point the listener... <laughs> He's not done. To, not done. Totally not done. ...to the Talk is Jericho podcast hosted by okay. uh, Chris Jericho. Uh, I guess also he still wrestles a bit, but also the lead singer of the band Fozzie. No relation That's to the Muppets. That's cool, actually. Um, well, then I'm not as interested. And... Uh, <laughs> And he had Lars on, and he was talking to Lars, but sort of, and got, got into the whole like uh, drumming wars of the '80s and thrash. And even Lars said, like, you know what, man? It's like after a certain point, I, yeah, I, I don't want to compete with Lombardo anymore. He, that he's doing his thing. That's fine. I'll let Lombardo do his thing. I want to do my thing, and that's be the, the rhythm section. And, and even Rob in the other in the interview, I edited that part out. Basically said, like, you know, we basically we're getting the rhythm section even stronger in Metallica than we had before. Okay, so shut up. <laughs> Now, shut up. Now, no, shut up. No, 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 no. no, no. no. He's our guest. Yeah. Afford him a rebuttal. All oh, right. Okay. So. All right. Thanks, uh, Cogsworth. To your point about him being a good businessman, he's our guest. Oh, it's <laughs> a beauty and the beast. Let's well, topical. At least the movie just came out. Yeah. About him being a great businessman, absolutely. About him being a, a great arranger, absolutely, hundred percent. Fantastic for arranging those songs. About him being an innovative drummer, I'll give you that. You know. Um, specifically, I'm, a, I'm not a drummer, I'm a guitar player, but if, you, if I listen to guitar players from the 50s who are like my icons, they don't hold a candle to anything right now because musicians like athletes evolve over time and they get better and better. Um, one thing I would poke a hole in your theory here is why is it that when Chris, what was his name, Adler? Adler, yes. He goes to all these different places and a lot of people kept coming up to him and asking him, did you hear that thing about Lars? 
he wasn't going and asking people, hey, do you think Lars was bad tonight? People were just approaching him and asking him how bad Lars was. No, because here's the thing. I think in this community, it's always it, it's Lars, and especially also the stupid Napster shit. Whenever I hear people talk, it usually they, they, oh, it, it's brought up in the same sentence. And I'm like, get your head out of your ass out of no, 1999. No, 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 no. And it's, it's just a hate. It's a generalized hate towards no, hold him. On. So I, somebody had to jump on the hand grenade for Napster, and it was Lars, and he, got, he still gets shit for it today, and that sucks. Okay, that it really does. I think he was trying to do Musicians a Solid, and it, he looked... He, he became the poster. He, he became boy the for poster that. boy for that. So yeah, that's, shut up, Ryan. That's bad. Um, um, but Lars being influential to other drummers, absolutely. Because I mean, shit, drummers that I've played with um, grew up listening to Metallica. You know, I grew up listening to Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton doesn't mm-hmm. do it for me anymore. You know, um, the drummer, the drummer that I played with the most, Brian, he grew up listening to Metallica. Loves Metallica. If you ask him right now, Metallica, Lars Ulrich cannot play to a metronome. The only the only com the only um, complaint that I ever had about Lars that set you off was he can't play in time. Yes, he can. He cannot. Wait, that, wait that's kind of a big complaint. <laughs> well, no. Here's the thing. So, John, like, isn't that their job as a drummer to no, be a no, timekeeper? No. Well, to an extent, John Bonham, Led Zeppelin, they don't play in time, but they play together. Like the time fluctuates in Led Zeppelin songs. All right, and they did it together. Um, the time fluctuates around Lars. Now, this is going to sound elitist, and it probably is a little bit. I went to music school. And not saying that I'm a better musician by any stretch of the imagination than most of these people, but um, it was my job for five years and a few years leading up to it, and still to this day, to practice with a metronome because time is not the drummer's job. Time is everybody's job. And I am very sensitive to people fluctuating time. Most people don't know. Most people don't care. Honestly, it doesn't matter because Lars doesn't play for me. Lars plays for you, like people in the pit. And as a musician, that's who I want to play to, too, because there's always a better musician. You know what I mean? So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying you're wrong and you're sorry. No, I mean, <laughs> hear me correctly. I will say that, that Joey from Slipknot is, is probably a way more technically proficient drummer than Lars Ulrich, despite being um, um, influenced by him. All these later guys, yeah, they're going at insane double kick speeds, and, he, and all the other guys with the freaking arpeggios are going like completely oh, like absolutely. off. Absolutely, I can't the do scale. sweep arpeggios. And no, no, like, like even and James would say like that, that he would have no idea how the hell to play this stuff that these new guys yeah. are doing. But again, it, it it takes a big man to fly all the way from Dallas to apologize the thing, for the rest of the band and. For the rest of the band, you know, because this happened when we were watching that live at San Francisco show, and I, I posted that, and then you jumped on me about it. Yeah, the, um, the, super, the pre-Super Bowl The show. pre-Super Bowl, right, right. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, I saw Metallica live once um, when I was in high school, and it was unfreaking believable I tried to save myself on that one. Yeah. Um, and uh, I watched them at this show, and I don't think they sounded as good. But the only thing that's changed between now and them, other than maybe a decade and a half, is I went to music school. And... And the music music scene, music world has changed a lot in a decade and a half to where pop radio, pop music, there is no room for any uh, tempo fluctuation. There is no room for anything the slightest bit out of tune. We've been auto-tuned. It's too polished. It's too polished. And I appreciate Metallica for what they're doing now because, one, they're never going to play the tracks because, for the first reason, that sucks, you know? I, I I like giant. I want to see a forty-five piece band. If that's this, if that's the sound you're going for, I want to see every musician up there doing it. Two, they can't play the tracks because Lars can't play to a metronome. <laughs> <sighs> this guy, man. That Dude, but I song. still love Metallica. God, see, you you dropped the hammer on him because you were buttering him up no, and no, buttering no, no, him no, up, no. and then boom, he can't play in time. <laughs> no, uh, uh, be quiet, you. See, I the last time I saw them was August. Yeah, recently I've seen them six times. Oh, I, by the end of this summer I will have seen them ten times. I believe you. All right, every single time they've been fucking tits on and on point. All yeah, right, they're great. 
They are. They're great. Yes. They're great. I accept your apology. They're great. <laughs> Can't play to a metronome. Can't <laughs> play in time. <laughs> you know, we've gotten in the weeds before on music business talk, kind of like in that first segment. <laughs> but this is the first time that we've gotten really in the weeds in music, like pure music in the weeds. And I think it's because like, we have an actual heads, musician man. here. And that's, yeah. I've been well. Thank you. I thank you that I'm. You recognize that I'm here. Yeah, no, and, you know and what? It's here too. I will say, but, Dave, I appreciate you more than you ha- than you realize because I don't know a lot of people that that fly around the, the world seeing bands. Don't do this to me, man. No, I'm serious. Don't I'm do hun- this to I'm me. I'm 100 serious. Don't don't do this to me. I can't think of a band that I share that kind of passion for right now. Not even TLC. Maybe, maybe TLC. <laughs> okay. You know, I kind of they, they lost me after you know Left Eye. Uh, Is that even the right band? Yes. Yeah, okay, yes. Good. <laughs> Anyway, I love you. I really do. Anyway, you should go see them. I should. They, I, I know they're they coming, to, da- way through they're coming Dallas. to Dallas. And when tickets went on sale, I was broke. So now yeah. I got some money. They'll have to come back. Yeah, he'll, and see he'll go, and you'll see him sitting right in the front row going, one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> Clapping as loud as he so can. So the, the most expensive metronome when I was in school is called the Dr. Beat. And it's like, it was like 120 bucks or something. And I'm going to take my old Dr. Beat, and I'm going to throw it on stage. At <laughs> Son of a bitch. All right, before we go, um, I got a game we can play. Oh, good. <laughs> I've something less contentious. Yeah, I well actually you guys are gonna be ru- up against each other. Oh, perfect. So maybe that's how we'll decide who's right on this. Oh good. By playing around a bad movie epic tagline. So oh, we did this like uh, December yeah. of twenty fifteen. Yeah, we only get to play this when we have multiple people more than two people in the studio because it, it requires host a host. People. Yeah, exactly. No. So here's how the way this look how this goes. One thing you'll find with bad movies is they always have the coolest taglines. And so we have built a game around it where I give you the tagline, and you try to guess what the movie is. If you don't know right away, we give you more clues about the movie. First, we give you the year it came out, then three actors in the movie one by one. We go through each of those clues slowly, and when you know it, you guess. And if, if you, you guess wrong... If you guess wrong, you're out for the rest of that question. If you guess right, you get a point. Dave's shadow boxing over here. Ready yeah. to go. <laughs> I'm not good at uh, nouns, now, so this will be fun. At nouns? Yeah. <laughs> no. It's true. Evan Proper is names, really gifted when it comes to pop culture, but he can't do like names of actors in movies. But nope. not nouns. But he can nouns, do. But he can nouns. he can quote movies. Oh, he can day. reference movies, but not like the actual titles of things. It's weird. It's it is a, weird. It's a weird it's blind ridiculous. spot. Yeah. All right. So I think I have like seven or eight. Of also, I know who Ryan Gosling is. I have no idea what he looks like. Really? Yeah. You didn't oh. see La La Land? No, I didn't. Oh, he's the guy on the poster in La La Land. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, not the red-haired girl. The other one. Oh, the other one. So. <laughs> Now, so that, that that's the way this is going to work, and, and and I already gave all the clues. All right, so here we go. First one. All right, I'm ready. Oh, here's what I was going to say. Oh, good. All the movies are from the, within the last two years. Oh, sh- so oh. we're we're kind of you know okay more La La Land. references. Bad movie, epic tally line. I haven't that, seen it. That uh, movie's a delight. That was a half of a motion best uh, motion picture winner of the Oscars. That's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was best. It was one best picture yeah. for like. For 80, Eight 80 seconds. seconds. So here we go. First one. Long time no Z. 2016. Penelope Cruz. Owen Wilson. See, names have no Ben effect. Stiller. Zoolander 2. Oh, sh- ah, that's a point for Dave. Zoolander 2. Next one. So Dave's up one to zero. Let me keep score. Oh, thanks. On our patented uh, sheet of paper, smart board we have here costs right. us a lot of money. Yeah, we really busted the budget on yep. this one. Click, click. We should get a Patreon page. That could be cool. We had twenty years to prepare. 
So did they. 84. Independence Day Resurgence. That is correct, David. But Aww. you know what movie I was going full for. Title, I, <laughs> I full title. I said 84. <laughs> we, we, I know. All right, I'll give you. Did anybody see that? I did not, actually. No. No. Okay. I, just, I decided against it because even like Will Smith decided against it. Yeah. Because the makers of the movie also had 20 years to prepare, <laughs> and apparently that wasn't enough time. Who will win? 2016. Batman versus Superman. That's correct. Ah. Ah. I, I, I That's would, a terrible I, tagline. I would like to have full titles, though, here. No, you don't need it. I got it. Look, we got to give Evan what we can give him, all yeah, right? Yeah, not good enough. Yeah, yeah, just not, say he, Dawn of Justice. No, okay. good. No, Superman. Batman so it's two to one. Here I mean, we go. I might even got him backwards too. I don't really know. No, it was BVS. Okay. <laughs> Superman versus Batman. I have no idea. Justice has a bad side. Twenty sixteen. Margot Robbie. Suicide Squad. That's right. Ugh. Three to one. Looks like Oscar-winning movie. Ugh. Yeah, Academy Award winners. Yeah, these are supposed to be bad movies. Suicide Squad has an Oscar. Shut up. Play <laughs> for the planet. 2015, Michelle Monaghan, Kevin James. Pixel. Pi- oh, yeah. Oh, Evan, giving him a fight. Yes, Anybody Pixels. see that movie? No. Good. Don't. <laughs> Did you? No. Okay. I was about to say. Okay. All right. Play. This one's a little tough. You probably well, won't be able to get this one right from the name, but there are two oh, left. Oh, I got oh, a man. chance to win here. Yeah, here we go. I got a sweep. Sophistication has a name. 2015, Olivia Munn, Gwyneth Paltrow, Johnny Depp. Crickets. <laughs> no yeah. idea. This, 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 got, this was a wide release. Oh, Mordecai. That's right. Oh, Jesus. Mordecai. Oh, that God. What a, what a shitty movie. I didn't see it, obviously, but yeah, you loved it. I know. I got it. All right. So... I think Evan's the uh, sorry, Dave is the winner. Yeah, but give me the last one. But we're gonna give the last. The last one's worth three. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That says it right here. Last <laughs> one's worth three. Okay, well, I was, perfect. Oh, I was surprised. <laughs> Turn off Dave's mic. <laughs> All right. They did everything but delete it. Twenty fourteen. Pixel again. That is not. <laughs> Rob Corddry. Cameron Diaz. Jason Sex Siegel. tape. There oh, it is. Yeah. I can't I can't win at the movie of the, at this yeah, game against Dave. To be fair, you did better than I thought that's you right, would. That's right. That's right. To be fair, I didn't even see most of these except just Suicide Squad and BVS. I haven't I seen any of these. Cuz y'all have good taste in movies. So does that mean that Lars Ulrich can keep time? No, or? he still can't play. No, yes, he can. <laughs> All right. We I'll, have solved it here on the show and if Evan, you know, <laughs> he can't play in time. That's, that's <laughs> part of the thing. And it, it, I mean if and I don't know. He's some, he, doesn't, he doesn't own a metronome, and you can't. <laughs> hey, I'm just unplugging everything. Yeah, no, it's like, the audience can't see what you're doing. They're just like, "What's wrong with the sound on my podcast?" Yes, just because you don't have a podcast to talk about Laura Zolrick on, That's you true. know. That's true. Yeah, actually, exactly. we did actually on a Honey Playlist. We talked about. I know. In fact, mm-hmm. your your podcast is the only thing that this podcast follows on SoundCloud. Is that right? We and have... you haven't had an episode in like a oh, year. We a moved, year. We moved three times, so. <laughs> gonna be a minute so set it back up because i think that was a fun podcast i know you guys should have like a, a show about moving that would be super good at it i'm a fucking pro <laughs> yeah there you go i podcast with yeah you. oh man are moving thanks... with the melendezes and lamb the melendezes yeah. our thanks to marcio novelli and ross barber smith <laughs> of the bridge the atlantic yeah. podcast for our, joining yeah. us in the previous segments and our thanks to evan lamb yeah thanks, once thanks again so much for joining us at the big tasty at the big tasty at um 
Baseline gorgeous. Baseline gorgeous. Follow my follow my wife Elisa at Elisa Rock Doc. She posts way more than I do. We yeah. do a live stream every Monday. Um, Twitch dot TV slash Elisa Rock Doc. Oh live, yeah, you guys live stream. We live oh, stream right. a game called Rocksmith, oh, which yeah, is right. a game that you can plug your guitar into your Xbox directly, any guitar in your Xbox or PC, and learn how to play games. Um, and our band Crimson has a track in that game. It's really fun to play. Um, and uh, yeah, oh, it is a great game. I could attest to it. I haven't played it recently, but when I was at going at it, it really helped my guitar playing. So, wait, 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 don't bury the lead on that, man. Like that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, that you have a song and you have a song in Rocksmith. Yeah, that's we do. Pretty cool. Yeah. Like, we signed the contracts and everything. Yeah, can tell them how much. Like, uh, not yeah. t- no, 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 tell no, them how no, much. No, 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 wait, no, no, wait, no. I no, said no, no. My, my question because that's a, that's an absurd question for me to ask. You. How much did they pay? What's to put the, the song? Game? What's the song? The song is called "Don't Stop." It's, and on, it's a great song. It's it has Spotify. a awesome guitar solo in it. Uh, thank you all very, very much yes. for listening to the Break the Business podcast. Mm-hmm.